0: How do, good evening and welcome to Pablo's Vault of Horror, the podcast. Uh, this is the companion podcast to Pablo's Vault of Horror, the radio show. That's available every Wednesday, 10pm till midnight on Nova Radio Northeast, a 102.5 FM in the Newcastle gated area or novaradio.co.uk if you're anywhere else in the world. Uh, you can also get us on the app store, just search for Nova Radio Northeast any app store that you use. And uh, you can ask your sentient speaker device, to play Nova Radio Northeast, just ask for it to play Nova, ask for it to play Nova Radio Northeast, and it will do that for you and if you do that around about ten o 'clock after the news on a Wednesday night, then I will be there for you um plenty of music and and the like that we do on there, but uh, the interviews that we play every now and again if i 'm lucky enough to get an interview I like to put it out on this podcast, uh, which is why we 're here so today we 've been international women 's day i 'm going to put out my interview with Zoe Rose Smith aka Zobo with a shotgun on Twitter and Instagram about uh, Ghouls Magazine uh, at Ghouls Magazine on Twitter and um, basically all the, the work that she's done in releasing that uh, it was released last month in February but I thought it'd be an International Women's Day it's a good opportunity to talk about it it's essentially a, a, a horror focused magazine uh, but specifically from the female point of view or the female perspective um, well not uniquely that but uh, gives basically a platform that. Anyway, um, Zoe speaks about it much more eloquently than I. So, what I'll do is I'll pass on to that interview. Uh, but we will be putting out another interview with Casper Kelly, um, the man behind Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell, Too Many Cooks, etc. I'll be putting that out uh, as well very, very soon. But first off, I'm going to pass you over to Pablo, and he will have an interview with Zoe Rose Smith. Over to you, Pablo. Thank you, Pablo. Um, Ghouls Magazine is a new online magazine that showcases the very best in horror, uh, written through the female perspective. Tonight, I'm fortunate enough to be joined by founder of ghoulsmagazine.com, Zoe Rose-Smith. Hello, Zoe.
1: Hello. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, thank you very much for joining us here on the Vault of Horror. It's very much appreciated. Um, Now, first up, uh, just tell us about the, the magazine and how it came about. Um, obviously, it, uh, it's something that uh, has caught my eye on the old Twitter sphere. So, uh, tell us about it.
1: Yeah, I guess I was. Uh, I mean, I've always been a been a horror fan for quite some time now. Um, particularly into my extreme horror so I like some of the the nastier slices of cinema um, and yeah when I was younger one of the things I, I noticed was that there was a bit of a lack of uh, female voices in the industry um, and I think when I was younger I didn't think too much of it but I guess as I as I grew older and I started connecting um, with more like-minded people and people that you know Were more my kind of demographic, I realized that actually I wanted to read about horror more so from a female perspective and also, you know, the perspective of um, other people as well, non binary writers, queer writers, um, etc. etc. So my passion has always been, you know, to set up a bit of a a place in order to help raise those those perspectives. Um, and I guess lockdown exacerbated the need for a new project, um, and also gave me a lot of extra time outside of work hours to be able to work on Ghouls Magazine. And yeah, so you know, just through connecting with a lot of people and really realizing that there was, I guess, a bit of a need for it as well. A lot of people. Um, are, a keen to champion um, female perspective, and I went, "Hey, let's uh, let's bring some of the amazing people I know, the some of the awesome writers together, and create a a space to do that." And that's exactly where Ghouls Magazine was born from.
0: No, it's great, and it's uh, to have it all under one roof as well. Um, and from looking at your website, you, there's an excellent editorial that you, you've written, which kind of covers covers a lot of this as well which um i thought um, was a really really kind of put the perspective on there because obviously um not going on any uh, preconceptions or, or anything but obviously a um you know a, a kind of um female gaze centric horror um like news source or, or website um you know people may have a, a kind of a, a an assumption that it's going to be skewed in a certain way but one thing I did find from looking at your website is that you know a lot of it is um just a kind of an alternative view um but also kind of demolishing some of those preconceptions i was I was interested to see um I'm trying to think uh is I Spit in your grave that a kind of a film which divides a lot of mm-hmm. horror movies. um and you know in many ways you know the, the, there's that and a few of us which you know many people even if they're a big horror fan will will you know Put to one side, but I was interested to to read that it's uh, it's something that you know potentially from a different perspective, you know has a has a kind of a, a different meaning to to people. Is that something that you have a perspective on?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, for me, I Swiss on Your Grave, I remember the first time I saw it and I was like, I was blown away by the movie. I, you know, I resonated with it a lot. I found it to be a really liberating and empowering movie, um, which I think, you know, when you think of a film like a rape revenge, a lot of people go, well, how can you find, you know, empowerment in a in a rape revenge movie? Surely that's just demeaning to, you know, women in, in general. And I remember reading a review by um, quite a big film critic, who I won't name, um, but a male film critic. And, and they slammed the film for being very derogatory towards women um, and something that, you know, women wouldn't find any pleasure in, in viewing. And I thought that to be quite interesting that, you know, a and again, like you said on the site, you know, I don't go around bashing men at all that's not that's not the goal of the site whatsoever but I just found it interesting that that perspective from a male's point of view felt completely disillusioned compared to the point of view and the perspective of, of a lot of females and uh, you know since then I've, I've spoken to other uh, female horror journalists like uh, BJ calangelo for instance who you know as as survivors ourselves of, of sexual assault or rape there's actually a, a lot to be taken away from a movie like that and I think you know being able to to get that voice and that opinion out there is you know people kind of go oh right that's that's actually how you know a female watching I Spit on Your Grave sees the film obviously not all females not everyone you know this yeah. it's definitely gonna it's a triggering movie it's not it's yeah. not the nicest movie but you know for some of us we i you know we kind of just watch it and go yeah that's absolutely awesome
0: well that's it and i think um i mean you, you look at well, i say more recent i'm probably showing sure my age you're saying the more recent but like with <laughs> martyrs and the, the remake of martyrs they kind of deal with similar ish Um, subjects in regards to revenge and it it, I mean it's interesting to 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 hear that that, you know it's a um, a effectively you know a male reviewer trying to be feminist but equally by telling women that they can't watch or enjoy something because it's misogynist isn't itself quite a misogynistic uh, point to take that you know you're dictating to an entire gender that you're not going to like something and um, but I suppose with that there's equally a very fine line between that where it's kind of you know, not achievement, say, like I say, as a plot device or a, a, a core to the plot, you know, there's often, like, say, in some of the, um, I find, say, the 80s was a, a kind of a very tricky period for that. I mean, I was I was doing a rewatch of uh, a lot of old uh, Troma films recently, and um, I know with Troma, there is much a kind of, Umbrella for independent artists, and a lot of people got their start there, like James Gunn and, and, and others. Um, but uh, I was watching as I think it was Mother's Day, and um, yeah. I'd completely forgotten that aspect of that film. I'd kind of you know, watching it years ago when I was a, a teen, I'd remembered it as kind of almost as just like you know, your backwards Hicks type of thing, but I'd forgotten how kind of like. Oh, I mean, sexually violent it was and, and in many ways it was it was kind of played for laughs within the context of the the horror which which i found you know more unsettling than the actual content if you will um yeah. and, and i was wondering i mean it is is you know uh, i always worry about um accidentally saying the wrong thing or <laughs> I, I have a, i have a habit of uh, accidentally just wandering down a a, a dark alley um Metaphorically speaking, but uh, but yeah, is is that is that something that you know it's hard to gauge, or is it literally just a case of you've got to watch it to to see it?
1: Yeah, I guess it all, de- all it all depends on the movie, to be honest. Um, you know, for me, like I mentioned, I I love those extreme movies, and you know, some of the films I watch, it does feel, I guess. Um, it does feel gratuitous and it does feel like it's, you know, some kind of shock factor or uh, just put in there to, you know, kind of make the audience go, oh, gosh, there's, you know, there's sexual violence. That's so horrific. That's horrible. Um, and I've definitely seen a few films where I watched it and I've gone, do you know what, that that didn't really do much for me. That just felt like, you know, shove a, Shove a rape in the middle of this film, and you're going to get everyone talking about how you know shocking or taboo or controversial it is. Which you know, sometimes it absolutely can work, but at the same time, I think sometimes with things like sexual violence or even you know, violence against children, animals, those kinds of aspects, I think if it doesn't tie into the plot or a bigger messaging or a bigger picture, it it can just kind of go, Oh, that was a bit you know, it feels a bit off. Whereas, um, you know, like, I I love a Serbian film. It's one of my favourite films. But I think there's, you know, there's a bigger picture, there's a bigger message there. I don't think they um, just went out of their way to go, how shocking can we get? But that's my opinion. I know a lot of people also do think it's a movie where they went, let's put everything shocking in this one film. And I'm like, yeah, fair enough. I can kind of see it from from both both perspectives.
0: I suppose to a degree with a Serbian film, that, that's almost the point of it as well, isn't it? It's, you <laughs> yeah. know, it's, it's like when people like, try and d- d- say, oh, well, that's, that's this, and say, like, well, yeah, I think if you watch the film, you would probably understand that. Um, but yeah, I, I find it the same way. It's like uh, irreversible. I, I remember like irreversible as a, as a film is, you know, groundbreaking cinema, and cinematographically is, is a masterpiece in how they put it all together, the editing and all that. But I know I'll never, ever watch that film again. Uh, that, that's yeah. that's a film that once i've seen it uh, you know uh, you know content wise it's you know definitely not one to 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 watch if you're triggered by that sort of thing it's a horrible horrible film in that regard but equally you know that's that's exactly what the director was trying to put across yeah. um and um i think that's you know when when it was um i think it was debuted it was either sundance or can and people were walking out he was you know when people were questioning him as to why he said well that's they're the people who were right why did you stay that, that that was the which i think is you know excellent in a kind of artistic manner but then equally you kind of think well if your job's to make a film that nobody's gonna watch you 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 know i, I don't know if, if you achieve your goal then you, you just fail ultimately but i suppose you know that's 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 art. That that's French new wave cinema. That that's, uh, that's uh, beyond <laughs> beyond my tiny northeastern mind. But uh, but yeah, but I, I, I do uh, I do get your point on that. Anyway, moving moving on from uh, such uh, extremities, if, uh, if you pardon my terminologies. Um, now the um, I was looking through the the website and uh, I was noticing there's the two kind of main subsections within there, which is uh, spotlight, which places a highlight on um, like female creators within the film industry. And then you've got uh, Through Her Eyes, which is kind of looking you know, back over the careers of specific um, women in horror movies. Um, yeah. And you know, just, just with that, I mean, would you be wanting to speak on that slightly?
1: Yeah, so so that's a section we've created on the website um, called The Female Gaze and we have three columns. We'll also have, uh, so we've got Spotlight, as you mentioned, we've got In Her Eyes and then we also have another one um, coming very soon called Ladies' Night. Um, what our goal with was on this section, so the website is not just about um, women in horror, it's more it's more written from the female perspective, but we also cover films, you know, made by men and um, directed by men. That's, you know, we're, we're horror fans. We we love all horror films. So we're going to be covering, you know, a bit of everything. Um, but that was kind of our section on the website to celebrate uh, some of the women in horror that have obviously inspired us um, and we see as our aspirations. So I guess this, the spotlight piece came out of the fact that i've seen i know i know, you know so many fantastic creators in the horror, horror industry whether they're special effects artists photographers filmmakers uh, lighting assistants, you know, the list goes on, really, of the 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 talent that's out there. And I thought it would be nice just to have a space where, you know, they can come and they can really talk about what they do in the industry and just highlight their work a little bit. Um, then we have uh, In Her Eyes, which is, as you mentioned, it's it's looking at uh, different women in horror and their, their careers, mainly focusing on the characters um, or a specific actress in a horror film. Um, so we've got a piece on Clarice Starling. We've got pieces on um, so, so many. There's, I think our list is about, I think at the moment, it's somewhere like 250 um, on a spreadsheet somewhere. And then we have a piece called Ladies' Night, uh, which hasn't launched yet, but this will be looking at specific female-directed films. Um, so looking at the filmmakers and the creators Creators behind those films, so yeah, I guess, I guess just a bit of a, a celebration of of women in horror that we, you know, we really find inspiring and have have given us a lot of, I guess, a lot of viewpoints throughout the lives of our, with, throughout our horror fan lives.
0: Oh yeah, no doubt there'll be some sort of uh, special uh, special omnibus edition uh, about Barbara Crompton, 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 Crampton, Crampton? Crampton? I, I Crampton. yeah. And that's the one, uh, the doyen of the uh, the, the horror world uh, in, in many ways. Um, now, with that, with the uh, the website, as mentioning. Um, now, obviously, as we said, it's it's uh, February is Women in Horror Month, um, yes. and y- the website launched. If I'm not mistaken, it's near the end of January. Is that
1: correct? It actually, the website actually launched. When was it? Three days ago. Oh, so it's officially launched, launched. Oh, yeah, right. oh, yeah, officially launched, launched now. Yeah.
0: So, um, so with that being the case, was it just uh, like a happy coincidence that it came during Women in Horror Month, or was that something that was kind of you know purposely um designed by yourselves?
1: No, it was actually funnily enough. Um, it was just yeah, happy coincidence um, that we that we rolled with. Uh, we we always knew the launch was either going to be in uh, early, like any point in February, um, and obviously you know as we got towards the end of January, we were going oh probably need a little bit longer on this um when you figure out you know not everything on the website loads quite as you expected uh yeah j- literally just a happy coincidence that we went well it, it seems right so we'll yeah. run we'll run with it anyway
0: not oh, definitely um now as we said it's um quite a male dominated industry Um, Although, I mean, I'd I'd probably say it could be argued that horror is probably, even though from the outside looking in, it's probably seen as quite a, you know, boys club in regards to the content that you get with the old kind of archetype of, you know, men Mm -hmm. like this and women like this. Um, But in many ways, I I would probably say that horror, out of all the the genres and and the people within the industry, is probably the most open and, and equal, albeit not fully equal as, as it is right now and it is still quite male dominated I mean what would you um think is, is a way to kind of you know deal with this and kind of address the balance whether it's like a, at a grassroots level or just something um just that, that could be done right now
1: I mean I think from my perspective there Uh, seeing less uh, female victims in horror movies is quite an important one. Um, Obviously, you know, if you look back on the 80s uh, and a lot of slashers, yes, we had the final girl era, but we also had, you know, quite male gaze views of women um you know always young pretty blondes with you know perfect bodies uh that were the victims the main victims which i think you know we're beginning to see a move away from that we're beginning to see a bit more of an equal playing field in terms of the the victims that are there but i guess in terms of you know what we can be doing right now is you know i guess listening to more of the voices of the women in the community and I think as well uh, you know allowing more room for female directors and making sure that we actually recognize them for the work that they've done because you know even if you think of uh, past directors and stuff there's a lot of movies I think where it gets overlooked that they were made by a woman Um, or for instance you know I think Last year, when uh, Nia de Costa's Candyman, which unfortunately wasn't released, a lot of people were talking about being Jordan Peele's Candyman. Which, yeah. yes, he's attached to it, but Nia de Costa is the director. And I think, you know, seeing something like that, it was kind of going, well, why is that happening? That that hasn't, or probably would not happen. You know it didn't wouldn't happen the other way around that it was you know if it was Jordan Peele's film, people wouldn't be going, "Oh, it's Nia da Costa's film, so I think it's you know things like that and just uh, just being conscious um but you know at the same time, the world is evolving, and I think the industry is a lot different to how it used to be, you know, even, even, you know, like five years ago, I've personally seen it become a lot more of a welcoming and open space. Um, but yeah, there's definitely more to do. And I think it's about, you know, just being conscious and open and, um, you know, having a open frame of mind and I guess to an extent, you know, watching films by anyone and not, you know, making a big, big deal about you know who who's behind them in a way if that makes sense
0: well that's it i mean ideally it would be a case of everybody gets to make the movies and then well you know it's just kind of signed with a, a symbol uh, so you know you don't know what uh what gender or what, what ethnicity yeah. the person is. you just get to appreciate the film as it is and then just go well, i like symbols work i'll, I'll check out
1: <laughs> triangles that, good exciting. i like that one <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly it's probably a little bit more um yeah no that's that's got more witchcrafty symbolism and all that sort of stuff a triangle um right uh, yeah now um let's have a look here Where, where was i um yes we've already discussed that uh yeah so um one of the things that we like to do on um the vault of horror here is like to have a little look on the less well-known or the less respected you know or sometimes very well known and hated by everybody um but loved by some horror films that are out there now is there any kind of um you know specific like gem that you've um, un- un- unearthed yourself that you you love that nobody else is aware of or is there a, a particular film that you think gets gets a-, a lot of grief that doesn't necessarily deserve it
1: um there's so many films that um get a lot of grief uh, some of them for good reason, some of them have not. But actually, I I spoke about this film um, recently with a, with a friend on a podcast, but it's a film that I constantly think needs more awareness around it because it's an absolutely fantastic piece of cinema and I just don't think enough people talk about it. And that's uh, Can ever Knowles Baskin from 2015.
0: Uh, yes, yes, yes.
1: Yeah, I think it's, uh, I don't know, I just seem to feel like more people should give it the love it deserves, because, I don't know, have you seen it? I'm trying to think,
0: that's, Baskin is not the Turkish, is that the Turkish
1: horror? Yes, Turkish horror film.
0: I I have seen it, but I must say I was slightly inebriated at the time when I put it on, (laughs) Uh, it was probably not the best thing to do, but uh, yeah, there was, uh, I think there was some sort of torture scene from the offing, or, or something along those lines, which uh, but yeah no, I, I can't remember enough of it to to pass any kind of judgment on it, but uh, I, I had had it recommended to me, so I will, I will give that one a uh, another another crack
1: yes, yeah, so it's a yeah, there's a lot of torture in it, um and I guess yeah it's it's probably the reason a lot of people haven't seen it is probably because it's quite heavy going um throughout the entirety of the film and I think it's definitely a film you need to be in the right mood for Um, it's not really like it's not a light film it's quite a heavy going film but you know cinematography is stunning the acting is absolutely amazing and if and if you like it's got a bit of that as well
0: Sorry, just lost you for a brief second there, but you're back. Yeah, no, I think uh, with Baskin as well, they, they they did they do something with the audio, so it's it's, it's got a really kind of um, like almost like an enveloping feel to it whilst you're watching it. There's it, it, with the, like the background noise, yeah. uh, it really um, gives you that uh, unsettling vibe, which is uh, which is grand. And obviously, gore's no bad thing. We all love a bit of gore, well, at, at least here and and the vault of horror, anyhow. Um, now, with that being the the case. Um, one of the things that we also like to do here at the Vault is uh, obviously to, you know, um, I feel feel slightly patriarchal saying it now, but obviously they're, they're kind of four main bastions of uh, horror um, movie world, as it is, um, that there are. Uh, we've got the Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, uh, Jason Voorhees and leather face, which you know obviously you could add some you could possibly you know argue about replacing others but equally i would say they're probably the, the four main ones i, I think it's hard, it'll be hard mm-hmm. to watch. um you, you could possibly switch out pinhead maybe um get switch out leatherface with pinhead maybe but you know as i say um but with those four what we like to do is just to basically ask if you could uh basically save one but the other three would be completely erased from history, uh, thrown into the dustbin of history, as it were. And uh, the, the, the one that you choose would would survive. Obviously, their body of work would, would maintain. Um, which of those four in particular would you would you go for?
1: Uh, for me, it's a very, very easy choice. I would have to go for Freddy Krueger to save.
0: Yeah, well, I say Freddy Krueger is a popular choice. Um, this is normally where the point where I, I point out that, he obviously, he, he is a, a, a child murderer. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, equally, you know, those people of uh, S- Springfield, is it? Uh, they're, they're not very nice. Um, Spring Valley? No, I'm mixing up my uh, movie universes. Obviously, it's Elm Street, but uh, I think it's in New Jersey or thereabouts. I remember actually reading an article about the geography of Elm Street. It's very, uh, very um, distant <laughs> especially in relation to uh, Freddie versus Jason, where they, they drive from uh, Elm Street to uh, Crystal Lake and managed to do it in under a day, which I, I believe they worked out was something like 8,000 miles or thereabouts. But uh,
1: That's no, impressive.
0: <laughs> impressive, almost almost equally as impressive as, as it is sad to look into the detail and minutia of, of that, especially <laughs> with a film like Freddie versus Jason, which I don't think they really concern themselves too much of the detail there. Um, <laughs> Right. Well, uh, yes. Well, it, it was just to say um, thank you very much for joining us today on Public World Authority. It's, it's been a, a pleasure. And um, it, it just to ask for like, any of the, the details, if anybody needs to find you. And obviously, um, ghoulsmagazine.com is, is available there. Uh, but if anybody can find any of your workings or writings or anything like that, where would they find you on the old social medias?
1: So for me, I'm Zobo with Shotgun on Twitter, um, and then website I'm Zobowithashotgun.com and Zobo with a shotgun on all of the other social media channels. Um, and obviously for ghouls, um, there's Ghoulsmagazine.com and then on social media we are at ghoulsmagazine or on Instagram we're at ghouls mag because someone took magazine from us. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm doing many things on many channels, but either Zobo with a Shotgun or Ghouls Magazine is where you can find me and the amazing team of writers we have.
0: Oh, excellent. Yes, and I must say, if you just do a random search, then there are, there's a slight variant on Ghouls Magazine out there as well. So just look out for the, the Ghouls, Ghouls, Ghouls. That's what you want to be looking for, those <laughs> uh, neon ladies. <laughs> um and you're in the right place uh, unless they completely change their branding but i believe it's some sort of male dominated space so it's quite easy to uh, to separate i uh, don't know why they went for ghouls magazine really it seems uh... anyway uh, i diverge away from the point uh, well thank you very much for joining us and um i'll just pop back over to pablo in the studio over to you pablo Welcome back. Thanking you, Pablo. Great guy that Pablo. You should really get him on um, to do some work for you. At Pablo Bonzo on Twitter is the best way to find him. Uh, but thank you even more so to Zoe Rose Smith, A.K.A. at Zobo with Shotgun on Twitter. Uh, yeah, a really good chat. And Ghouls Magazine is well worth your time and uh, energy just to check that out Um, you know, because no matter how Bernard Wright on a a fellow like myself approaching his 40s from the northeast of England can can try his best to be, I'm still stuck with my, you know, white male brain, so you know a lot of things uh, are a lot easier to understand if you kind of take in other people's perspectives and you know, Ghouls Magazine's a great one for that, because as Zoe says, it's not just specifically for uh, a woman's view just kind of, you know, perspectives that aren't necessarily white cisgendered male Uh, so yeah, great one, so do check that out, and as I say, you can listen to us at Pablo not at Pablo Bondo, but you can listen to us every Wednesday on Nova Radio North East, novaradio.co.uk Wednesday 10pm well 5 past 10 after the news and all that sort of stuff Uh, and that's GMT Greenwich Mean Time, so if you're in America check your local clocks When that is. Anyhow, as I say, I'll be back soon with another episode of the podcast with a uh, great interview with Casper Kelly, the man behind Too Many Cooks, Cheddar Goblins, and all sorts. But uh, I shall leave that for then. So, in the meantime, thanking you, and
1: uh, I'll see you on the other side.